Impact, Income, and Influence. Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show for helping you reach millions of people online and change the world. Today, we are focusing on that change the world bit. I have a guest that has been a CEO in the energy space for over 20 years, changing the world through energy. Now, before you say, what does that mean? I want you to think of Elon Musk. Elon Musk said when he was young, he was looking for a way to change the world. And he came up, his answer was batteries. He spent 20 years of his life learning how to make a better battery. Today, we are talking to Dan Berdar. Dan, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks, Steve. It's great to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Um, this is going to be a super fun show. So your answer to that question was, how do we make a better switch? How do we make a better semiconductor? How do we make electric vehicles have longer range, be an everyday thing that you can use? How do we improve renewable energy so that you can use that moving forward? What are some of the impacts that this is going to have on the world? Sure. You know, if you think about it, we have two macro trends happening in the world. The first is the, the continued adoption of renewable energy, solar and wind. In many places, they're becoming the lowest cost source of electricity, which is great. The other major trend we have is this uh, adoption of electric vehicles. There is going to become a point in time where it's going to be very difficult to buy a combustion-based vehicle anymore because the entire industry is moving that way. But like many new technologies, they tend to be higher cost and they tend to be lower in performance early in their life cycle. You think about flat screen TVs. When they first came out, they were crazy expensive and they looked terrible. Well, they've come down an order of magnitude and cost and the performance is, is just incredible. Electric vehicles and renewable energy are in that same direction. And one of the things that they need as an enabler are better semiconductors to give them a higher level of performance. If you can get better semiconductors in things like an electric vehicle, you can get lower cost electric vehicles and you can get longer range out of the batteries that are in there. If you put better semiconductors in renewable energy, you can get lower cost for them and also more useful kilowatt hours out of the, the generation from the solar panels. Okay, so you just did a great job of making that not sound like a NASA scientist. I want to break that down just a little bit further for listeners. So what like Jill, who's sitting at home right now, multitasking, typing, and listening to this podcast, what does that result in for her? I mean, what comes to mind for me, I've looked at Tesla's since day one. I like yeah. sports cars. So the fact that mm -hmm. they use a Lotus, at least I was like, I'm in, except it only goes 50 miles. What do I want to do yeah. on a road trip? So is yeah. this going to result in longer mileage? Is this going to result in faster charging? What's the, what's the takeaway from this? Yeah, I, the, the technology that we've developed, for example, if you were to put them into an electric vehicle, the, the batteries that are on that vehicle could get 7 to 10% more range uh, from the same amount of charge. So it directly impacts the useful range you can get out of the vehicle. Uh, and that's important because, you know, one of the biggest issues that people have with electric vehicles is range anxiety. It's getting better. The other thing it will do is, you know, the charging infrastructure is going to be built out considerably globally here over the next 10 to 20 years. But, but electric charging needs to get faster. It needs to be more convenient. And our technology can help vehicles charge faster by making those electric vehicle charging stations more efficient also. Awesome. I mean, that's the biggest, those are the two biggest things. Let's talk about renewables for a second mm -hmm. and how this affects the power grid. So right now I live in Austin, Texas. Last year, we lost power for four days. Yep. Um, yep. One of the first things that we looked at doing with our house was getting a Tesla battery. Um, yeah. 
So how does what you do affect that and affect the normal everyday person? Well, you know, you brought up a great point, and that is um, batteries are going to be increasingly a part of our life. Um, one of the problems with renewable energy, solar and wind, is they're intermittent. You know, when the sun isn't shining, they don't, the panels don't generate as much. When the wind isn't blowing, you don't get wind energy. Um, if you can couple those with batteries, you now have a reliable source of energy that will continue to produce energy for your home or your business, regardless of what's happening uh, in the infrastructure. Um, and part of that issue involves getting good use out of those batteries. Batteries are bi-directional in that you have to put energy into them, you have to charge them, and then you got to discharge them. Um, one of the things that affects how efficient that process is, is the semiconductors that control the charging and discharging, the power, the power converter. Um, our technology is inherently bi-directional so it can actually complete that charging and discharging cycle more efficiently than conventional semiconductors that are used uh, for, for solar installations with, with uh, energy storage. Okay. So what I'm understanding where you get, this is a new technology that wasn't yep. around. When did this technology come out? Uh, we've been working on it for several years. It was invented by our company quite a few years ago as we really saw the need to get a, a better more efficient bi-directional semiconductor switch compared to what the industry has been using. Larson, because we saw this trend of batteries and a lot of applications that were going to need bi-directional power control. Hey, thanks for taking a moment to check out this episode of Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show helping you reach millions. Have you ever thought about building your own webinar or using public speaking to reach your ideal audience? Well, if you'd like my help with it, over the last several years, I have built more than 40 live events for clients just like you. In the last 18 months, I've helped 32 entrepreneurs build their webinar with over $5 million in cumulative sales. If you'd like to see how I can work with you, or if you'd be interested in having me speak at your event or be on your podcast, go to steven.coffee, that's S-T-E-V-E-N dot C-O-F-F-E-E, -E, to book a short call with me and see how we can work together. All right, let's jump back to the episode. Okay. So I actually, because you've been in the industry for so long, 20 years ago, I think mm -hmm. if you would have heard the term electric car, you would have gotten like, no one would have ever taken you seriously. If you would have heard even batteries in your home, like it's such a, I don't know, probably a quarter of a percent and things have changed a lot. What, when you got started in this industry, take us back to what things looked like back then. Because I think you oh, got you know, it's very different. I mean, you know, 20 years ago, more than half of our generation came from coal. Uh, natural gas was, you know, the sort of the, the clean fuel of choice. Um, nuclear was still struggling in that, you know, we, we were dealing with global incidents of, you know, you know, reactor issues and high cost and everything else. And renewable energy was one of those things that people thought that, that would be a really good environmentally social, you know, responsible thing to do, but it's so expensive. And when people think of batteries, they would think, well, you know, batteries could actually solve a lot of problems, but they're too expensive. Uh, and they would typically think of lead acid batteries like you have in your car. What's happened since then is the cost of renewable energy, both solar and wind, have come down dramatically. The cost of batteries have come down dramatically, which has made them really competitive. In fact, a more attractive choice. I mean, you're, you're in Texas. In Texas, solar power is getting uh, put in at the utility scale at three to four cents a kilowatt hour. 
you can't even use the fuel for a natural gas plant for three to four cents a kilowatt hour, let alone paying for the cost of the plant itself. So renewable energy has become very cost effective. Um, the challenge that it still has is intermittency. You know, Texas saw an issue several years ago where the wind stopped and you know, a huge number of megawatts of generation disappeared. Batteries are the next way to really solve that, to make the solar and the wind more reliable and you know, there whenever you need it. Um, so the industry has changed dramatically. Your sources of fuel have changed, the technologies that we're using. And I think that it's not just now about doing things because it's the environmentally responsible thing to do. In a lot of cases, solar and wind are the lowest cost source of generation. So I have I have two things I want to ask around this. The first one is it's it's kind of a personal question. How did you get into this? Um, I know like did you just wake up one day and you said, I want to be involved with renewable energy? Where did your path in this start? Because I think you're, you, you had some vision, which I think a lot of people didn't have, which is why you're CEO, right? You're paid to look around corners and see the vision. How did you get into this? And like, what, what started? Because coming from a place where it was coal to look forward and see this, where did you, what's your journey been? Well, I, you know, I'm an engineer by training. Um, I actually spent the early part of my career at uh, one of the U.S. Department of Energy National Labs um, that was really focused on power generation research of, of all kinds, you know, gas turbines, fuel cells, combustion systems, and so forth. Uh, so I saw a lot of technologies very early on, long before they were commercial. Um, and I went from there to General Electric, where I ultimately ran the gas turbine product lines, and I've run some renewable energy companies since then. Um, so my interest has always been being on the leading edge of technology, that's where it's fun. That's where the big challenges are. But you know, personally, you want to do something where you don't want a job. You don't want to have to just go and you're, you know, you're just putting in your hours. You want to know that when you think about all the time you spend over the course of your career, that you're doing something that actually makes a difference. Um, and so for me, because I was interested in energy and how energy is created and used early on, it really kind of pointed me towards with my own personal values of wanting to do something that really contributes to getting clean energy out there, making it affordable, making it the the the, the, uh, the, the more preferable choice than the conventional ways of doing it. So it's really been this natural progression of the evolution of clean energy and wanting to be involved in it in all, in all sorts of forms. Got it. Okay, so that actually tees up the next question really well. One of the things that I have heard, and I, to be honest, I've spent probably three or four hours researching online, and I finally just threw the whole thing out, was, so I would be interested in buying an electric car. But the fact people are saying is, well, I, I should say it's not a fact. What people are saying is, it's actually less efficient and is damaging the planet more between the cost of building and actually the electricity ends up being more expensive and more damaging to run the car than gas. I would love your insight in that because I know you have way more expertise than I do or any of the Google articles I've read. Yeah, you know, when people were initially looking at the, the emissions impact from a combustion vehicle to electric vehicle, it's like, oh, this is a no-brainer. Electric vehicles are clean. There are no emissions. You've got a big con a contributor, in fact, the largest contributor to, uh, you know, uh, pollution, particularly NOx, uh, nitrous oxides, are electric vehicles combustion, or combustion vehicles. But then people started to take a step back and say, well, wait a minute, how are all these things getting made? How is the mining being done for the lithium that goes into the batteries? You know, they really 
looked at the complete life, life cycle cost. And it mm-hmm. turns out that there are more emissions associated with electric vehicles uh, when you start to look at that entire supply chain and that entire cycle. Um, but that's a good thing because when you shine a spotlight on that, that's when the need to do things that are more responsible just works its way up the supply chain so that the miners are doing things that are environmentally responsible in terms of the energy they use. I'm, I'm seeing projects all the time where you know, remote mining facilities, because it's tough to get power to them, they're putting in solar with batteries to help mine, you know, give the mine some of the energy that it needs to you know, recover the aluminum or the, recover the lithium. So I think you know, a lot of this is, while it's true that the emissions and that total life cycle are greater than I think most people think of when they think of electric vehicles, I think that is just one of the areas where the industry is going to continue to improve because as you get more and more efficient, um, it ultimately shows up in the bottom line. You get more useful product or energy as a result of using it wisely, using it more efficiently. So I, I view that as a function more of the early stage of where electric vehicles are, not where it's going to end up. Got it. I think, I mean, to use your comparison to flat screen TVs from earlier, I think everything has a growth curve, right? And as it becomes more popular, more like it will get better. Things will get made better because there's more demand for it. Also, to your point, I think shining a spotlight directly on it and saying we need this to get better, it will get better. The, I mean, the naysayers to renewable energy, a lot of them say, you know, like, it's just too hard. It's never going to happen. But if you look back to the 50s, I remember when I was younger, we went to, I think it was Disney World, and they had the house of the future. And it was made out of Rubbermaid, like Tupperware, indestructible. You could knock on the walls, you could kind of see through them. And this was the house of the future. Obviously, we don't have those today. And I think the same thing is here. When people first heard about electric cars, they were goofy and dorky. And now you look, I mean, Ford releasing the F-150 as an electric truck that looks, acts, and feels like a regular truck, but has more towing capacity, more storage, and is easier to live with, people are starting starting to see that. What do you see being the next five years? Because that's the other thing that I've looked at Elon Musk, of course, I own stock in, in Tesla, but I've also looked at what, like how we fought. I mean, Trump in the presidency, I don't think was a positive thing for renewable energy. You might have something different to say about that. You know, I, I, I think we're really in a fundamental change globally in terms of energy, where it comes from and how we use it. Um, you get to the point where early on, it's always a struggle because these new technologies, they're more expensive. They have performance issues and so forth. Um, and renewable energy has gone through that. Electric vehicles are going to go through some of that. But at the end of the day, as they continue to improve, um, things like renewable energy and electric vehicles will win on their own, just pure cost and performance. Because as more and more technology is developed, as the technologies mature, as you get more and more people saying, well, this really is the direction of the future, uh, you bring talent to that, what you find is the need for things like incentives, the need for you know, uh, special you know, programs to stimulate buyers to, to adopt the technologies disappear. And all of a sudden, it's the obvious choice. So do you think right now in solar, there are across probably 50, not 50 states, probably like 30 states, there are incentives for solar panels. Yep. There are some states that are giving incentives for electric cars. Mm-hmm. What do you see and how, like, in the next couple of years, do you see incentives getting greater? I don't think we've even 
I think we've just started to see the wave of renewable energy. I think we're going to see more batteries. I think we're going to see more solar. I think we're yeah. definitely going to see more electric cars. Um, I know there's, I, I think I heard like there's incentives, uh, directive, sorry, for car companies to go 100% electric by uh, 2030. Yeah, I, I mean, if you think about it, you know, solar's had incentives for quite a few years. It's had things like the investment tax credit and other things that help reduce its cost. I think for solar, at some point, those incentives are going to go away. The industry is not going to want to give them up because they help make it more attractive, but they will go away. Um, mm -hmm. Energy storage is earlier in that cycle. I think um, it will continue to get some incentives because the impact of energy storage in terms of some of the problems that it can solve is really big. So I think there's going to be a lot of desire to do that. But, you know, part of it is you also have to recognize there are a lot of incentives that take different forms in the fossil fuel industry. They aren't quite as easily identifiable as line items in the budget like solar energy investment tax credit, but they are there. Um, so mm -hmm. they are a part of the way the energy infrastructure works because it is so critical to the economy and national security and other issues. So I, I think the incentives in one form or another are going to be around for all forms of energy for, for quite some time. And at, at the end of the day, the market is going to, uh, I think, inevitably transition more and more to renewable energy because it's just going to be the, the more efficient, lower cost approach to go for, for pretty much most applications. Is there, speaking of incentives, you probably have some unique insight to this. Do you think that there's an incentive that the mass public would respond really well to that has not been offered yet? That's like, it's a very insightful question, but I'd, I'd love to hear like, what do you think would really trigger people to start moving forward into this? People who are being holdouts or people that are turned off to it? Well, you know, it, what actually drives people to make some of these changes are not so much the incentives, because for the individual, most of these things are going to be marginally impactful. What drives them are things like what you went through, where suddenly energy that for us has always been cheap and readily available, all of a sudden you don't have it for four days, you know, and it's 32 degrees outside. Uh, it's those personal experiences that actually drive people to do that. I mean, I actually, uh, you know, I'm in Austin, Texas also, so we experienced it. But part of why we came to Texas was we went through two eight-day outages in Connecticut a few years ago where we said, this is crazy. I mean, we're in a modern world and we're going literally a week at a time with no power. Uh, let's get out of this where there's you know, cold and snow and the power goes out for a long period of time. It, it, those are the kind of life events that cause people to make changes, to say either, you know what, I'm going to put in my own solar with batteries or I'm going to move to a location that has a more reliable grid. The economic incentives, I think, are kind of, they are interesting. They help people get over that final threshold to make a decision and or maybe make the economics neutral. But it's really the things that we all experience that make us say, you know what, energy is not guaranteed. It's not necessarily always going to be there when we need it. Um, so how do we take control? Because it directly impacts our lives. That's, I mean, that is very, that's a good answer. Because I money, money does not, it, several reports. I mean, I come from a marketing background. There are plenty of reports, one done by Harvard Business School that shows that cost price is the fourth on the list of what determines yeah. a buying action. But I feel like right now, the biggest thing that they're missing, it, like they're driving on price, right? Whether it's solar or electric vehicles, mm -hmm. they're driving on price. They're like, let's give price incentives, which that'll get some people's attention for sure. Yeah. But I yeah. think there are a lot of things. I mean, the reason that I think Tesla is starting to really 
hit the growth curve is because it's a status symbol. People right now, like a a Model X or um, a Model S is going, the Model X I saw going, it's going for 40%, 30 to 40% over MSRP because they can't make them fast enough and people want that status symbol. Um, I think if if that's what he's trying to do with the batteries. I mean, the Tesla batteries look really sexy on the wall. They look like an art piece. He's trying to push that. I know we're talking about semiconductors and switches, but that's what powers those. Um, It's a good answer. The, the, okay. So I want to give you a platform as well, because I know my mom, my mom came from, you know, she's in her seventies and Mm -hmm. she's like, I will never get an electric car. I like gas. I like going to the gas pump. I like putting gas in. I like having electricity that I don't like the windmills. I like, I guess they work, but I just like what works. What would you say to somebody that is like that, that is a little bit resistant or just likes what they have, wants to stick to the status quo? Well, I think, you know, it's always good to have choice. Um, But I think it's also important to recognize, you know, when you, when you have new products and new technologies, you always have early adopters, people that want to be on the leading edge. They either want to do it because they want to be seen as somebody who uh, is very in touch with uh, technology or they want to be uh, someone that's, you know, has a status symbol or, you know, there's a lot of reasons. You get to that that uh, majority when all of a sudden the cost of switching to that new product or technology um, doesn't have an impact associated with it. Uh, so as electric vehicles don't cost hundred grand, you know, like a Model S, but cost forty grand. Well, then all of a sudden it's like, hey, wait a minute. Um, you know, I, I really need to be thinking about this. I think part of what's going to change this also is the all the auto manufacturers, the established ones that have been out there for a long time, they are moving away from combustion vehicles. Uh, Volkswagen has indicated that they're abandoning combustion vehicles altogether. Mercedes is doing the same things. As you get those large players, they're going to have to manage their way through. How do I maintain my combustion infrastructure for service and parts and everything else? But it, and that's going to be a cost challenge for them. But at the end of the day, you're no longer going to have that choice because they're going to be all in on electric vehicles. And that starts to drive volume, which starts to bring the cost of those down to close to or below combustion vehicles. Because if you think about it, a combustion engine in a vehicle has lots and lots and lots and lots of parts. Um, an electric vehicle doesn't. So if you start to think about where's the cost potential, the batteries are the biggest cost component in the electric vehicle. But if you don't have all those other parts to create an engine, all of a sudden things like maintenance and things like the first cost start to change. The second highest cost component in the electric vehicle are the semiconductors. So if you get companies like Ideal Power who are bringing out better semiconductor devices that also enhance the range you can get out of the vehicle, uh, you can start to see the path where electric vehicles will actually become the preferred option because they will be the answer that all of the manufacturers move to. That's, I agree. Um, you you answered it way more eloquently than I could, but I just see it as that's going to be the wave. And as they get more and more popular, especially, yeah. I mean, we won't even get into the self-driving discussion, but as self-driving becomes more and more of a thing, you're going to have to have an electric car to do it. And people are going to want that extra time. They're going to want that extra safety and they're going to want that extra speed. Um, somewhere I read 
they're going one. I can't remember whether it was a city or a state, but they're starting to make lanes that are electric vehicle only. Yeah. And it's it's like the HOV lane. It's going to get you where you're going faster. It's going to be regulated. Like there's probably not going to be a speed limit on it. The fact that I mean, I believe that if all the cars can talk to each other, they're all going to be able to move better. Um, yep. That's a whole another discussion. Um, Dan, you shared so much with us. It's been really interesting to hear your thoughts because you you know more about this stuff than any Google article I've ever read. Um, what I'd like to ask you is what is one huge misconception that a lot of people have either around switches and semiconductors or renewable energy in general? Um, I think we've touched on some, but what do you what is one that you see that you'd like to set the record straight on? Anything come to well, mind? Well, you know, one thing when you think about semiconductor switches, is it's one of those things that most people aren't even aware of. Um, but you own hundreds of them. They're in your refrigerator, they're in your washer and dryer, they're in your microwave, they're in your vehicle, whether it's a combustion vehicle or electric vehicle. Um, they are such an integral part of anything that uses energy in any form um, that but they just, they're there, they work, they do their job and people aren't aware of it. But um, there's a lot happening in the semiconductor space that is gonna continue to improve those. And there's a lot of new technologies. We happen to be you know, in an exciting place that we're bringing out something that will impact a couple of really big trends like electric vehicles and renewable energy, but, but also you know, um, the systems that protect data centers, the motor drives and so forth. So, um, I think for most people, hey, just be aware that you use semiconductor power switches, whether you know it or not. Um, you use them every day. You use a lot of them. And there's a lot of new technology that's going to make everything you do more efficient and hopefully in the long term, lower cost also. Awesome. I I would agree. I think um, I think we're just starting to see this. And I think the way that it is going to change lives 20 years from now, the world is going to be so vastly different from what we see right now. Uh, it's going to be really Really interesting to see. Dan, if people want to learn more about Ideal Power um, or yourself, where should they go? What's a good place for them to connect with? Uh, a great place is to go look at our website, idealpower.com. Uh, you can see some uh, some white papers on there that talk a little bit about our technology, really targeted to you know the non-engineer out there to help them understand a little bit about our semiconductor technology and where it can be applied and the kind of impact it can have on, on some of the applications that are out there. Um, and then, you know, we tend to put out press releases that talk about things that are going on in the company, things that are newsworthy that the average person would want to know about. So keep an eye on what we're doing uh, largely through our website. Awesome. Dan, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing with us and being an open book. It's been super fun to chat with you. To everybody else out there listening, go check out Ideal Power. Learn more about electric vehicles, about renewable energy, about batteries, because it is the wave of the future, there is no way that it is not going to radically change your life in the next 10 years. Dan, thanks so much for being on with us. Thanks for having me, Steve. I appreciate it. No problem. To everybody else out there, till next time, remember, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon. Thanks for checking out today's show. Do you want the fast and easy Cliff Notes version of the actionable steps from today's episode? If so, go to actionbullets.com and download yours today. Also, if you're looking to start using story selling in your business and have stories do 90% of the hard work for you, grab my free course at storyselling.how today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon.